0: This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcasting every Tuesday morning, 8 to 9, Pacific Time, on KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. In his 2004 book, What's the Matter with Kansas, our guest today, Thomas Frank, explained why working America votes for politicians who reserve their favors for the rich. Now, in his new book, The Wrecking Crew, Frank examines the blundering and corrupt Washington those politicians have given us. Rather than cutting down the big government they claim to hate... These conservatives have simply sold it off, deregulating some industries, defunding others, but all is turning public policy into a private sector bidding war. Frank is the founding editor of The Baffler, a contributing editor at Harper's, and a columnist for The Wall Street Journal. Thomas Frank, welcome to Weekly Signals.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: How are you doing today? How's Seattle treating you?
1: Uh, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful town. Yeah, you were at the
0: university bookstore last night, am I correct? That's
1: correct. Right. I was.
0: How, how did they receive you? Were they cheering wildly? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, the kind of people that go to uh, book uh, readings it tend to be a self-selecting crowd, and yeah, they were pretty, they were pretty pleased. <laughs> All
0: right, very, very good. Now, have you had any uh, bad feedback from the book? Uh, other than uh, just cranky critics uh, have uh, have you noticed any people taking exception to uh, calling out the uh, the wrecking crew
1: Well it's a, it is actually it's a funny thing that, that you mention that because there's been very little of that I mean I was on a, I was even on the Michael Medved show yesterday and he's oh pretty goodness. conservative yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, uh even his uh, callers were um you know, didn't want to take issue with the 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 core of the book. You know, they wanted to talk about you know whether or not big government could really solve our problems and stuff like that. No, there's there hasn't been anybody that's uh, that's uh, that's really. Um that really strongly disagrees with what I'm saying about the conservative movement. And you know what? (laughs) There's a good reason for that. (laughs) These people are really unpopular now. I mean, I didn't, they, they weren't when I started writing the book, but now, I mean, my goodness.
2: Not only are they unpopular, but the, the sheer, uh, the sheer incompetence of this uh, administration is breathtaking.
1: Yeah.
0: Now do you think that incompetence is intentional because that's, Part of what the book is about is is, uh, is destroying something rather than trying to change it. Do you think that their uh, incompetence is intentional?
1: Well, the, in, the incompetence I is I, I I don't think is intentional, but I think it's ine- inevitable <laughs> uh, when you because they you know which it, well it, it doesn't really amount to the same thing, but it's well yes it does it, it leaves you with the same results, but. um uh, they they strongly distrust uh, government, as you know, and I found in my sort of review of con- conservative literature numerous occasions in which they talk about the need to to not have talented people in government. You don't want to have talented people in government. You want to have your own people in government, whether they know how to do the job or not. You want to have, you know, reliable uh uh, uh, hacks essentially, yeah. uh, and they, they're they're very uh, upfront about this. And so the 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 I mean, and it is inevitable that you have something like you know FEMA after the hurricane came through New Orleans, which just you know couldn't get off its butt. You know, couldn't figure out what to do. And this is an agency, by the way, that just a few years previously had been one of the best in the federal government, and they just destroyed it.
2: Huh. You see, there's something perversely. In, ingenious about this this philosophy in the sense that you can put somebody who's incompetent or an ideologue bent on the destruction of a department, and then see that through, and then turn around and say to the American people, see Amer- see how big government doesn't work, and continue to under uh, to underscore your argument that big government doesn't work. I mean, yeah,
1: no, I've got I've got some terrible news for you. <laughs> They're actually doing that right now, and the public is buying it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, there's. I was just reading some polls with, uh, you know, the, where uh, people look at this wave of incompetence and wave of bad government, and their conclusion is not, oh, you know, conservatives have done a bad job. Their conclusion is government just doesn't work, which is sort of, that's the natural conclusion, unless you do the kind of, you know, research that I, that I did for this book and really, really, really dig into, into the, you know, the past.
0: Yeah. Okay. Now, t- let's talk about the past. When, when yeah. do you think this all uh, took hold? When is the turning point of, of, of this? type of philosophy that, uh, that took hold here in this country.
1: Well, the, the, the philosophy has a deep history. Uh, the 19th century, you know, post Civil War up until about President Wilson or President uh, Theodore Roosevelt was filled with with misbehavior of the same kind that we're seeing nowadays. Only back then the government wasn't as important a part of American life, so it didn't really matter as much because you didn't count on it for so many things. But it was still, you know, amazing corruption. Well, that that sort of went away, uh, you know, in the 20th century during the period of of uh, you know liberalism, which went hand-in-hand with a sort of philosophy of good government. And what's funny is that with the vanquishing of liberalism and with the destruction of the labor movement and all that, this stuff is back. And I sort of pinpoint it to about 1980, when when Ronald Reagan came into office, and also to the, the conservative movement, not just uh the Reagan, you know, I go into his administration in some detail, but the conservative movement in washington uh which was which was then sort of getting off the ground and realizing a very interesting thing, which is that conservatism wasn't just um a philosophy, You know, it wasn't just an ideology. It was also uh, a good way to make money. Yeah. And so conservatism became became a kind of industry, which is strange but, but true. You'll see when you read the book. It's I know you guys have read the book. I'm, I mean that for your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see. Yeah, yeah, it's really stupid, peculiar. So they... it's, it's, it's the movement as industry.
2: Yeah. Yeah it, it it's it there's something that I, and a lot of these people that you're uh, that you're talking about had their roots in the Ford administration we have the Cheney's and the yeah. Rumsfelds and many of the people who kind of cut their teeth at the executive level of government then became full-blown uh actors in the uh, in the Reagan administration i can put a face on it for me the face of this philosophy is James Watts. the uh, yes
1: yes yes Okay. Yeah, they they're very you know sort of misshapen or potato shaped face <laughs> right um, exactly that's why it works
2: for me yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: and he's a classic example of what I, what i describe as putting the agencies into reverse he was the head of the department of interior and uh yeah. you know really did not agree with the department's mission uh and yet you know was 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 placed in charge of it and you know proceeded to do all the things that he's that he's famous for you know the guy wanted to do things like um you know <laughs> open up the national parks for... I forget what it was. Yeah, was it yeah. Oil exploration? Yeah, it was all that oil, mean, yeah. You know, these nutty to things. To sell it.
2: Not, I mean, just to sell, start selling off the National, not just open them up for leasing. He wanted to yeah. sell off everything that wasn't nailed down. And and uh, in addition to that, he had sort of a messianic uh, 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 point of view, too. He was very much a born-again who was who felt that uh, you know we were our time end time was near. Yeah, end so, times were here. So sell everything you you know it's a fire sale on everything <laughs> yeah. that uh, that you but want. But
1: the thing about Watt is that was you know he was one guy. There were a couple oh, more yeah. people like him in, in in the Reagan years. The uh, head of EPA, I go I talk about her at some length because yeah. it was just her period of rule at the EPA was just so it was so amazingly bad. Uh, Ann Gorsuch was her name, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, what's funny is that in the Bush administration. You know all these people got a lot of criticism from the press, and in fact they both of those these people eventually uh went down. I think gorsuch you know was in got in big trouble, and Watt had to resign yeah. um but in the Bush administration uh you know nothing like that you know you take something like the Department of Labor, which is filled with i mean filled to to bursting with these kind of you know cranks and zanies you know and all of them all of them uh, uh you know opponents of the labor movement and and they're never going to be called uh to task
2: well, in the Department of Justice. I mean, yeah.
1: Oh man! I mean, oh, well, that's, the, that's the one that's in the news now. So it's you know, yeah. it's 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 so vivid. You what? know, the, the you'd think that that's one where they, they would take the Department of Justice seriously that they wouldn't fiddle with that. But oh.
0: mm. we're speaking with Thomas Frank. The book is "The Wrecking Crew: How Conservatives Rule." And in the past, how does Jack Abramoff figure into all this? Where, what's his history in this movement?
1: he's a he's an interesting guy to me uh, and uh, I, I got interested in him for the same reason that everyone else did, because he was the central figure in this really, uh, uh, you know, tangled web of scandals that's still unfolding in Washington. He was the super lobbyist who turned out he'd been uh, 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 he's bribing congressmen and, and and congressional aides and this kind of thing, taking them on trips to Scotland. Remember that that yeah. uh, all that stuff. And I decided I would when you'd, you'd read about him in the news, they'd say uh, they'd call him a Republican lobbyist or they'd call him a conservative lobbyist, but there was no. Um, there was no content to it. You didn't know why they called him that. You know, what was so conservative about the guy? What was so Republican about the guy? And so I did all this. I, I decided I would do the research and, and, and dig up the man's uh, past history. And uh, he was not just conservative. This guy was, was way, way, way to the right. And... Um, and, uh, you know, I found a bunch of interviews from him in the early 1980s when he first sort of – when he first came to prominence, he was a leader of the College Republicans. Right. In fact, he was the, the guy who moved the College Republicans to the right. It, it was before him, it was a, you know, sort of a moderate – Orga- organization.
2: Wasn't Rove an, also a college Republican, or there was a couple? Well, of the, Rove
1: was uh, a leader of the college Republicans before, back in the seventies. But it, right. believe They're, it or not, uh, as hard as it might seem to <laughs> to, be, to believe right now, Rove was a uh, Rove was the moderate, <laughs> was a moderate <laughs> leader at the college Republicans. But there, I mean, he's, he he changed over the years. Well, I suppose.
2: well he yeah, he became c- much more cynical and manipulative than than he than he was. Then he became and then he is now, I should say. When he but, found out
0: he can make money at this deal. in which is a, which yeah. is a
2: key element all yeah. of all this. There were a lot of these college Republican leaders who ended up in this administration in some form or another too. So Yes.
1: Uh, they're they're all over the place. Yeah. And um not just them, there's another group that's really important, a youth group called the Young Americans for Freedom that, that, that were big back in the 1960s. And uh, they were pretty extreme. These guys were pretty outrageous. And you found them all through the Nixon administration. Whenever there was some dirty work to be done, well, that, uh, Nixon would go to one of these guys. That was Donald
2: and, Segretti and those guys. And
1: and yeah, I don't think Segretti was a yaffer, but he was, he was something similar. But there's okay. a lot of people like him. The, the most famous one was... Um, uh, uh, Tom Houston. Okay. Uh, he wrote something called the Houston Report, where he told, you know, he said uh, he, he came up with a whole list of things that the you know, dirty tricks and domestic spying that the Nixon administration could do. And he, had, he said in the report right up front, uh, you know, this is, a lot of this stuff is illegal. <laughs> <laughs> he had been the president of the yeah. Young Americans for Freedom. He was a great idealist. And <laughs> it's guys, guys like him, and he really was. He was a great idealist. Yeah. Guys like him and guys like Abramoff, who was also in his use, a great idealist led me to this really peculiar conclusion that in the conservative movement, you can be an idealist and a corruptionist at the same time, yeah. that these two things don't – these two missions don't necessarily contradict one another.
2: It's really the, the ends justifies the means is basically what we're talking about here. Right for, yeah, them, or for the them.
1: or the you know the 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 profits do. Or but the thing is, yeah. that they've got their eyes on 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 this on this bigger sort of picture in which government is 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 a fundamentally illegitimate social actor, and so whatever you do to it, you know that doesn't really matter. You know, you screw it up, you you know, you throw it into reverse, all these things that doesn't really matter. Uh, the, what what is pure and what is good and what has to be protected is the market.
2: Right. Exactly right. This all-knowing, all all-seeing, all um, omnipotent power of the market to right all wrongs. All hail. Yeah, yeah, Glory, hail. glory, hallelujah. I, I have a hard time uh, – by the way, we're speaking with Thomas Frank. The book is The Wrecking Crew, How Conservatives Roll. I can never quite push this idea out of my head regarding these – I don't even know if we should call them conservatives. It, they're this renegade, radical out, outlaw group that uh, is bent on the destruction of government, but I can never get out of my head going back to the Civil War. That some of this sort of philosophy, ideology that they, they cling to has to do with the federal government imposing a union on the states of uh, uh, obviously the Confederate states, and that this idea that, 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 they, that the federal government was able to impose its will to preserve the union is something, and I mean, you look at a lot of these guys, they came out of the South.
1: Uh-huh. so i so, I don't to
2: me i mean i maybe this is too overreaching an an argument, but well, it's, it's I,
1: not one that I'm familiar with i mean there there you I went to college in the South, and yeah, there, you still meet people who are these sort of neo Confederate types. But well, <laughs> it's, I just, it's, it's not, okay to make fun of, of Mike. My... none of the characters in my <laughs> book are really like that. Okay, you know? well, I mean,
2: I'm looking at the delays and all yeah. these. Uh, there's so much of the Republican leadership today. Oh, is, I have not thought
1: of that. Maybe delay is like that. I don't know. Yeah. Out of yeah. the I mean, South, rich, they're, maybe
2: they're all out of the South, and it just seems like you, you want this, to be told you right. The right? seeds of this of what well, this anti federal government comes certainly from 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 that for me.
0: Well, okay, Grover Norquist. <laughs> <laughs> he, he seems like a i mean you've met him you said he sa- seems like a genuinely nice guy is oh, it are these he is. people it's genuinely a, because
1: you know you meet his sort of bloodthirsty you read his sort of bloodthirsty remarks in the in the press you know yeah. about, about drowning the government in the bathtub yeah. and all these sorts of things and then you meet the guy and he's actually you know amusing he's he's very he's very funny he has a sense of humor
0: uh, why do you think that i mean are are they putting on this front of uh, you know of congeniality to to
1: Oh that's I, just that's just Washington. Uh yeah. I mean everybody in Washington is you know that's what a politician is is a professional friend maker. Yeah. Um you know and and uh, uh everybody in Washington is is that to a certain degree. That's just that's how they get there, that's how they succeed there. You know, you have to have a sparkling personality and remember people's names and um, you know be willing to forgive and and yeah. Uh, yeah. you know all that and get along and all that sort of thing and uh, you know um it's it's funny to think of someone like Grover Norquist being being you know, included in that description, but he, he surely would be. I mean he's he's a very charming guy, very intelligent.
2: Well to put it in political terms, they got the guns and the money. Are they gonna be able to hold on in the in in the face of all the the, the things that have gone on in the last seven and a half years?
1: Well, they're, they're gonna, it's going to get worse for them in Congress. It looks right now like the Republicans are heading for just a, an incredible hiding in, in Congress. Yeah. Uh, but the presidential race is going to be very close, and I think that the, the, the problem is that the Democratic candidate, you know, you've got you know they're they're both the the two candidates are having this sort of boxing match and it, where they're, neither one of them is really talking about what's been going on for the last seven years. Uh, I mean, McCain for obvious reasons. Although you know, McCain could he he was pretty good a few years ago back before he had his personality transplant. Yeah. You know, he was pretty good on this stuff. He is the man who busted Jack Abramoff. You know, yeah. and. um well, and he's but the one who all, wrote. That's all in the past now. Well, <laughs> it's well... like he doesn't remember it or something. But <laughs> well... uh, you know, you'd think Obama would be out there, you know, just assailing the uh, conservative movement and and saying, "Look what they have done to the state. Look what they have done to you, to the government. Look at how, what a disaster it is." But instead, he's he's playing the the high minded. He's taking the high-minded road, which maybe will work. I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe that'll get. Maybe that's what it takes to get him elected. But I think that for the good of the country, he really needs to lead us in a, uh, you know, in a in a sort of national conversation about what went wrong.
2: Right, right. Well, and you, you, you just mentioned McCain. McCain. had the hearings on on uh, on uh, Abu Ghraib. The, he wrote that book, Chain of Command. He wanted to know who was. He didn't write the book, but he wanted to know who was in charge. Um, he was a man determined to find out what had gone wrong on a number of different issues. But right. you're, you're obvi- obviously you're correct. He's gone completely the other direction. Personally, I think that Obama is trying to establish himself in the minds of the American public as a personality, as someone who they uh, can – they they will get to know. I think the long knives will come out fairly soon. I think right after the convention, I think he'll lead this conversation that you're talking about.
1: Yeah, but let's not call it the long knives. Let's call it healing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, it's, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's something we have to talk about. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, I, I I, I, hope he does. And I, I think that Barack is beginning to understand that there is such a tremendous amount of resentment towards this administration.
1: Oh, my goodness. Th- I just looked up the polls the other day. Did you know that Bush at one point had the, had the lowest uh, uh, approval rating of any president ever? It was at nineteen percent.
0: My God! And, no, it, and I, sh- I keep bringing up the point on that too, though that Congress has the lowest approval rating too
1: right now. Yeah, that's right. They they do, that so, Congress always does, regardless yeah. of who's in charge. That's you know. But, but it, uh, those numbers, I
0: just I just gotta uh, wonder what they really mean. People are just disgusted with government in general, oh, right. and I don't know if they're really seeing the wrecking crew. I I, I still, like you said the, earlier I mean, on, they,
1: they aren't right now. Yeah. That's why. We're, <laughs> That's, you know, but I'm doing my best. <laughs> well,
0: come on, Thomas. <laughs> you need to get, be <laughs> get the word
1: out
2: there, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, well, I, I think that uh, that th- and then Cheney's approval rating is within the margin of error, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's,
0: yeah. I, he's kind of going to go into negative figures
2: if it's 30%. possible to have a you know a negative rating. He, uh, he I mean, he actually is. He's I think at eight percent. Something oh, like and. that, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's just insane, but uh, I, I I do think that the, the the democratic I think the democratic candidates around the country. You're talking about a real big beating that Republicans are going to take in the, in the Congress, and I, I agree with you. I think they could get 60 uh, senators in in the in uh, Democratic column um, by by November, and I wouldn't be surprised to see the Dems at about 250 to 255 in the in the House. It'll, yeah, it'll I think
0: be. A that's thrash. probably right. I think that's a thrashing. I so wanna, I want to go back to McCain just a little bit. What, what do you think happened to him? What, what do you, you? We all. You know. You you just said it. Mike and I have said it all the time. There was a point in time where we believed that McCain would have made a good president. and That probably five that's, years uh, ago. Hey,
1: I I would be right there with you. You know, I um, I liked him in two thousand. I used to, you know, when I was starting the work on this book, he was one of the few U.S. senators that was sort of on the same page. And then, uh, and then something happened. Uh, and and uh, I don't know what it is, but you look at him now, all his advisors are lobbyists. Um, yeah, yeah. What, what the hell has happened to that guy?
0: Is that the only way they can win at the game they're playing? Is that why they do this?
1: Well, I think so also it's it is look it's uh, I I said earlier it's the you know the republican or the I'm sorry the conservative uh uh industry, you know, yeah. it's a machine and he has to if he wants to get anywhere he has to play along with that industry. It's not something that you can just tamper with and expect to be president. Yeah, he has a you know he has a great Popular image, or used to have a great uh, popular image because he was, you know, the straight talk guy and, uh, you know, and, and, and he stood up to power and all the things that we've been talking about. He was, uh, you know, he was great he, and he has this brand image. But um, if he's going to run as a Republican, he's got to get into bed with these guys.
2: Uh, yeah. Uh, speaking, we're speaking with Thomas Frank. The book is The Wrecking Crew. And I think that a lot of his problems stem from uh, about, what, nine or ten months ago when his. Uh, campaign really hit bottom. And he had no money, and he literally was down to a skeleton crew of people around him. And then when he started to take off, he started acquiring these people, and these are the apparatchiks that you're talking about within the Republican Party. And I think he's now surrounded whether by design or by happenstance, by people that he wouldn't have chosen in a different environment where he would have had money and an established campaign staff. I think that he had to acquire these people, and they came out of these others, the Romney campaigns and other places, and he just took what was available. And now he's being held captive. I'm not making excuses for him because I am disgusted by the way he has turned on so many of the things that I think you and I would agree he was good on. Yeah. So I think he just it was just one of those situations where they he i'm sure it surprises anybody that his campaign took off the way it did. I think it was just because the other people were so repugnant to the American public that he was the nominee so it it fell into his lap, and all these people have have surrounded him they, these are the These are the money grubbers, and these are the guys who are really going to try and do what they can to to maintain this legacy
1: yeah, I think that's right, I think that's right, and it's 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 tragic in a certain way yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm going to ask you to speculate right now. What what's the future of the Wrecking Crew? What do you think this? Uh, uh, do you think that it will take hold that these people have really uh, tried to privac- privatize privatize everything in America and and sold us out, or do you think that they'll be able to cover cover their mistakes and and go on and pretty much destroy our government?
1: Oh man! Well, you're you're asking <laughs> me there about whether or not the message of my book will catch on. And, yeah. It, yeah. Will. and, and it will. And uh, it. I have no idea I, I you know I hope it does yeah. uh but my strong suspicion is that you know the the i I just don't know i don't know the answer to that I'm trying my best fellas i mean i'm I'm going all around the country I'm going to like twenty five cities and yeah. I'm talking about this everywhere that i go yeah. and i'm I'm doing where you know i'm on on your radio program there and you go. um but, but the thing is that you got to remember about these guys is that the the members of the wrecking crew themselves will just go to ground, as it were, in D.C. I mean, there's plenty of, uh, you know, these people are, excuse me, these people are natural outsiders. It's very easy for them, you know, they, they, they hate government, remember? Yeah. And it's very easy for them to just go back to, you know, whatever, the uh, Cato Institute yeah, the or think the Heritage States. Foundation, yeah. Yeah. you know, resume their, their their work there, if you want to call it that, and, and start throwing uh you know, lobbing shells at the government again. Uh and then four years later then back in they come and the thing is that you've got to remember that the, the, one of the sort of uh, a big shibboleths of American political writing is that the two parties are identical mirror images of each other and it just is not the case uh, the Republican Party has moved dramatically to the right uh, yeah. in the last twenty years yeah. and the Democratic party has has sort of uh, has also moved to the right in certain ways but hasn 't you know but not as, as much or anything like that, and uh, they both have they have very different machines, very different organizations. And in Washington, when you live in Washington, you can see the conservative machine up close, and it is well funded. You know, it is well disciplined, and uh, I mean, they, it is it's like a you know it's like a really crack regiment in an army. They they really kick butt. You know, yeah, yeah. that's where
2: the Grover Norquist of the world come in. They're the ones who underwrite all of these think tanks, and uh, they come up with these, you know, progress for a new American uh, century and all this kind of stuff, and it's a constant drumbeat. They never let up. And, That's right. And they never let up,
1: and they're right there in the media capital of the world. And yeah. they, I mean, uh-huh. they do things like run ads only in Washington D.C., where where the reporters see them. Yeah. You know, yeah. and they there's all sorts of subsidized publications in Washington. All sorts of, you know, there's there's panel discussions every day of the week. Yeah. Uh, you know, at these right wing think tanks. Uh, you know, and they've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people on staff, ready to go, ready to talk about any subject. You know, the limousine will bring them over to the studio, and uh, it, it's it's funny because you don't think of Washington as a conservative town. It's a, it's a liberal town. The people who live there, you know, are, are very you know are all registered Democrats or something. You know, it's yeah. by some some incredible percentage. But the conservative presence there is 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 really amazing. It's really something to behold.
2: Yeah, you're right. And well, well. God's work, my friend. God's work. This is uh, the, the, the Wrecking Crew, and uh, Tom. we've been speaking with Thomas Frank. The Wrecking Crew, How Conservatives rule. I want to thank you for being here on Weekly Signals. Let's go
1: out and change the world. Yes. Oh, I'm trying my best, oh, right. Thanks a lot for having me. Oh, you're right. welcome. Thank
2: you. thank
0: you. To learn more about Weekly Signals interviews, including upcoming guests,